0: Broadcasting live from the Phoenix Business Radio X studio in Tempe, Arizona, you are tuning in to Culture Crush with Kendra Maples. This podcast will dive into a variety of companies that are crushing it with a great company culture.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Culture Crush Business Podcast. On this podcast, we focus on everything surrounding businesses with a good company culture. We do a deep dive with company leaders and companies that are crushing it with a great culture, as well as highlighting those resources that are out there to help improve. Today's conversation is a little unique in a couple of ways. One, the show is actually sponsored by the Conscious Capitalism Arizona chapter here, obviously in Arizona, but that's where the, the studio is in Tempe. Culture is just one of the four main tenets of conscious capitalism, so it makes sense that the show is sponsored by them today, as well as because of the two individuals that we have on the show, this conversation is going to very much be tailored not only to culture, but a lot of the other tenets of conscious capitalism as well. And we'll talk more about the Arizona chapter at the end and how people can get involved in all of that sort of thing. The other thing that makes today's show unique is that we are broadcasting live, so I'll try and not drop any F-bombs, but that also means that folks can chime in with questions, add to the chat, tell us where you're listening from. We'd love to see that, and so feel free to add all of that in the conversation, and we'll address any questions at the end. With all of that being said, I am very excited to introduce the two gentlemen that we have on the show today. One that's in the studio and one that's not. We'll get to that. So today in the studio, I have with me Adam Goodman, CEO of Goodman's Interior Structures and also board member of the Conscious Capitalism Arizona chapter here. And then virtually today, we have Thomas Ekschmidt, the CEO and founder of the Conscious Business Journey, as well as co-author of the Conscious Capitalism Field Guide and a bunch of other, other things that both of these gentlemen have been part of as well. So with all of that, welcome, gentlemen.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Glad to be here.
1: I, Thank you. Yes, I am so excited to have both of you. And like I said, it makes sense that this episode is sponsored by the Arizona chapter of conscious capitalism because both of you are very much in that. It's in everything you do with doing good business and having a conscious business and and having a purpose. And so I've followed both of you for a while now, so I'm really excited to bring both of you in the conversation together. So one of the things that I want to start with, though, is just to kind of let our listeners in on the two of you. So I want to start with, Adam, I'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about you and Goodman's and how you got started with Goodman's. I know these things, but not everyone else does. Um, So if you want to start, we'd love to hear a little bit about you.
2: Well, thanks, Kendra. It's glad to be here. Uh, well, I'm an Aries. I think it all starts from there. That's,
1: that's a good point. I'm <laughs> glad you start there. <laughs> I don't know what that means.
2: <laughs> so, I'm in a third generation family office furniture business. Uh, this business that I'm in in Arizona, New Mexico is exactly the business I did not want to be in uh, all growing up with my life. I, I, I saw the business up close and personal at the dinner table every night. I wanted nothing to do with it. I wanted to be a newspaper publisher. I still kind of want to be a newspaper publisher, but. Plans have been delayed for a little bit. Uh, I went to work for Gannett Newspapers right out of school and was on a fast track to be a publisher when my father gave me the opportunity to to come back and see what it's like to own your own business. Uh, because uh, once that opportunity passed, he pointed out that wasn't going to come back. So that was 1993. And uh, now it's 2022. And I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> I think we all are. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 I, I guess I'll close the loop with this. The reason i wanted to be in the newspaper business and why i'm so passionate still today about newspapers is the impact that they can have on a community newspapers um can shine a light uh where it needs to be shined and actually make an impact change legislation change voter perceptions all those kinds of things and so uh office furniture i found out was just about selling stuff just just widgets just selling them and it wasn't particularly fulfilling it's interesting and it's challenging but not particularly fulfilling so Uh, In the early, around 2000, I pivoted the whole purpose of the company to not being just about selling stuff, but about being uh, how to make an impact on the community. And that's the big lesson from my career, I think, which is um, taking a a mature third generation family business and pivoting it so that it becomes about something uh, bigger than yourself. And it attracts me. I want to get up every day and come to work because this is important to me and it attracts employees who want to come work here as well.
1: And what did that pivot look like? Was it a pivot over time where you were figuring this out? Or did you just have that moment where you're like, okay, this has got to change? Or what did that process look like?
2: It was on an airplane, uh, a flight between Orlando and Phoenix. And it is when it sort of all came flowing out of me. I wrote out this very ambitious vision, was so embarrassed by the whole thing that I didn't tell anybody about it for an entire year. You remember, I'm young. And there's people who worked at the company longer than I've been alive. And so for me to go to say, hey, here's the new purpose of the company, everybody felt a little (laughs) bit, you know, difficult. And so um, uh, being someone who likes to avoid confrontation, I just put it in the, you know, my documents folder and forgot about it. I didn't forget about it. I just didn't know how to. And then I got encouraged by our marketing director who said, this is amazing. You've got to tell everybody about this. And so that's the uh, that was the turning point.
1: So then, a year later is when you actually shared it with everybody. I
2: did, and just now to close that loop, I'm sorry, Tom. There's another guest here, isn't there? We have
1: we have an hour. We have time, <laughs> Thomas. Don't worry.
2: <laughs> so I, I bring everybody together. We have a we have a, we're at a Mexican restaurant. We have breakfast burritos for everybody. Uh, I don't know, it's 150 people there, all there, and uh, I explain here's here's this vision statement for the company. Here's what we're about. Here's our purpose. And I I could see two people were uh, writing notes back and forth about halfway past deep into the audience. And I I knew instinctively that whatever was on that paper that they were writing back and forth was like the the key to how everybody felt about this whole thing. I wasn't getting any feedback from the stage. I mean, it was... um, I imagined that I would read this and then they would, like, scoop me up and carry me off in their arms and parade around and, like, at-a, at-a. like th- this is not what happened. Uh, it was dead silent and then, like, I went left. And we picked up the chairs and we cleaned up the burrito wrappers, the little tin foil, and like, all that. And then I found the note that they had left on the ground. Us, and that was really quite revealing. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be right back after this commercial <laughs> What yeah. it said was... <laughs> um i wish i had worn my boots today because the bs is so deep in here yeah brutal Ooh, yeah brutal yeah Sub- that's brutal yeah yeah and when i got out of the fetal position i decided <laughs> that uh I, ha- I had two choices I either I either give it up and say well i guess they don't like it or i could double and triple down on it and uh and that's what we did and now here we are
1: i love that that's <laughs> your approach was that you take that and you double down because when it comes to company culture in general, you have a lot of these companies and I know a lot of them that have done it, right? Where you say, oh, this is our mission. These are our values on the wall. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to. And it's the same thing. It just kind of fades away and people go back to the same culture and back to maybe the wrong culture, the toxic culture, right? But once you open that up, People are expecting something to happen, whether it's good or bad. So whether that note said that it was BS, they're still expecting something to happen because you said yeah.
2: it. <laughs> you bring up a really good point, which I think is um,
1: if I had not seen that note, I, pro- I, I probably would have said, OK, I said it.
2: It's up. It's up on the wall now. I think we're good now. Now well, everybody. Yeah. And so because I saw that resistance is I realized, oh, I got to work a little harder than just yeah. type something up and, and read it. And that actually probably was turned out to be a gift. It's a shame that I fired them. <laughs> <But>
1: <laughs> Over that note. Because <laughs> they push. I mean, that really helps push. T- totally. Right. It, it, it is, yeah. um, if I hadn't met that resistance, I
2: wouldn't have pushed through it. And um, that, that, is, that is certainly true. Yeah. I really thought all you have to do is write it and read it. Mm-hmm. And then everybody just does it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot more. Yeah. Turns out. And we'll get into that. Yeah. All right. Thomas, how are you doing? Hey,
0: (laughs) good. I'm just so excited hearing that story again because it's, you know, uh, Adam, you you told me that before and listening to this again, it just brings more strength to all the change, how the change should happen. And before, you know, I want to connect to that story. You know, whenever we work with companies to actually help them express their purpose, once in a while we come across a company and say, you cannot express your purpose now. You need to offer people evidence that that's the path you're going to. And I, maybe this was the biggest challenge because you said, this is out of my heart right there. This is where, where I'm going to go. And if you had actually made decision based on that purpose, investment based on that purpose, once you brought it up after six months of 12 months, people say, oh my God, now I understand what's going on. So sometimes this is the big challenge. You can't just you know, put your heart out there without the evidence. People say, oh, this is another, you know, communica- internal communication campaign, some some marketing BS that is out there just to motivate us. And, you know, and the big guys get the big bonus and we just keep doing the work. Mm-hmm. So it it, it, it it requires a lot of courage to come back and say, I'm going to do this, you know, and thank you for that courage and inspiring because a lot of people just come out with their hearts and then they face that pressure and they give up. And luckily you had that courage to go and move forward. And ultimately we find our tribe where we, we can actually share that and people come closer to say, I like that. I'm going to, I want to join you on that journey. And, and that's the journey. It's all about the journey. You know, it's, there's no finish line. Consciousness has no finish line. So you can always get better, better than you were yesterday, and you can be better tomorrow than you are today. So love it. This is such a great, uh, a great moment of truth, you know, of expressing this. And it's and it's so exciting because that's the nature of, of changing the way we behave, the, the way we do business.
1: Yep. Thank and you again. And you right? said it, consciousness has no finish line. I love that. I wrote that down. So that's, that's a perfect way to summarize all of that excitement, right? So Thomas, one of the things that you said in there was, you know, how we help companies with their purpose. So tell us a little bit about you. And you've done a whole lot from being the co-author to the book that we have sitting here, The Conscious Capitalism Field Guide, to um, lots of other other pieces of conscious capitalism. So tell us a little bit about what you've been working on lately. So I
0: I would like to share some, a part of my journey, like Adam, is when I started my first business, you know, we had was food traceability something nobody knew. And one of the things we understood that every business is in education. You want it or not, you have to educate your customers so they know how to use, to understand how to use what you what you offer them. You have to educate your employees so they know how to better serve your customers. You have to educate suppliers so they know how to offer you better innovation. So this is. This is whatever business you are in, you are in the education business. So that's that's my first. And that's what we learned when I started the business. And, you know, we wanted to expand. And I said, you know, we want to sell to Whole Foods. Let's see who the owner is, John Mackey. We got there. And the first thing I read from John Mackey was Conscious Capitalism. I say, what? Those words don't fit side by side. Mm-hmm. So close to each other. It doesn't match. So I start reading that, uh, that article from John Mackey and say, you know what? I'm an unconscious conscious capitalist because I use that those ideas but I don't stick to the framework. I can see where I deviate from that, where my ego comes pops up and make helps me to make wrong decisions. I recognize where short-termism forces me to go get away from that framework. And once I have that clear framework, it helped me to stick to the plan. So by discovering that and by founding chapter in Brazil and Peru and Colombia, what I did is say, you know, people are interested to know how do they do this. So I, my first book, my first book on conscious capitalism was published called Fundamentals of Conscious Capitalism. It was an idea to actually help people put this, I, this framework into action, into practice. And that's what I, I told Adam, you know. Sometimes you you can't express your purpose without the proper evidence so that your people will follow you with more passion. You know, when you get there, you get like 50-50, I'm with or I'm without, I'm, I'm against, you know. And so from that, we, we decided to start, you know, Raj saw this book. We went to the interesting fact here is Raj invited me to go to Cuba and other two chapter leaders, Mexico and Costa Rica, to teach young entrepreneurs in Cuba to start a conscious business. So in four weeks, we translated collectively the the book from Portuguese to Spanish. We had to change the title from Fundamentals of Conscious Business. You know, if you come into Cuba with a conscious capitalism book, you might end up in jail. So we did a quick adjustment to the cover, but we had classes with four entrepreneurs because everybody was afraid to talk to us. And, And when Raj saw that content, he said, hey, do you want to write the book that that's where the field guide came from? You know, that's the story where, where the whole, you no, know, the book came was like a 300 pages went up to 430 and Timothy Raj and I, we did like an amazing job to put all that content together and Harvard say, no, you have to reduce it. How can we reduce it? It's a field guide. Mm-hmm. How to, it's not a story. It's not entertaining. It's a workbook. And I and ultimately we ended up with that huge book, but what, what I like from, you know, where I connect very strongly with Adam's story is like, you know, everyone out there leading a company, leading an area, leading a department, a function, you know, they have, they want to do something better because just working for more money doesn't make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, everybody's working, say, not to make more, but to live better. And sometimes living better is not to make more money. it's it's a different equation. Those are different values we exchange. And that has everything to do with the culture, how the culture can actually leverage that amazing purpose that that a company can have. So I'm going to cut short. Otherwise, I keep talking forever. (laughs) And I want to hear more from Adam.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that you said, though, was, you know, anybody out there that's leading, they need They need something better, right? They want something better. And especially right now, it's not necessarily a dollar figure that people are looking for. Although if they can find all of these amazing things in a company that has a purpose and trusts their employees and pays them well, right? That's a bonus. (laughs) It's a good thing. Uh, It is capitalism, right? Uh, Making money. Um, But as far as, you know, folks are looking for these other things now. They're looking for companies with purpose and and trust and things like that. And both of you mentioned that there has to be practice behind it. There has to be evidence behind it, right? So this question is for either one of you, Thomas, it could be from the perspective of teaching that to leaders or Adam from you, it could be teaching leaders or just the perspective of Goodman's. But what does that look like? How do you show that evidence? So after you found that note, right, and you had to double down and say, "Okay, now I really got to make this shit happen." <laughs> I said it. They're calling b s on it, right? What does that look like? What does that evidence look like, or what should it look like I,
2: I can I can tell you where mine came from. Okay. Um, so before that that plane flight from Orlando to Phoenix, I spent a year talking to all of our employees and lots of our customers, and I asked each group one question um, and just let them riff. the question for employees is why do you choose to work here mm-hmm. and the question for empl- for customers was why do you choose to do business with us and um i just wrote down everything i heard on little yellow legal pads um everything 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 didn't didn't try to synthesize it at all didn't try to process it just captured it and then when i got on that flight from orlando to phoenix i pulled them out and i carried them around with me all these legal pads and i read them all and and what washed over me was um, this idea about the impact we already have on the community. It just had never been framed for the employees before. This is what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a, a dozens of stories, but um, uh, a, a simple, easy to understand one is we do a lot of work with healthcare, with hospitals and um, in the patient room, you've got a recliner and the recliner is important to the patient being able to heal. It's gonna make them comfortable to ambulate all these kinds of things. Well, those Recliners break with some regularity because people are very abusive to their furniture in hospitals. <laughs> if we could just take a moment to have a public service announcement. <laughs> Stop being abusive to the furniture in hospitals.
1: Okay. Be gentle. They break yeah, eventually. Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so when a recliner is down, a patient group, uh, is, is unable to access that kind of care. Well, we've got a team that is a, a, a tiger team that jets out and... Um, fixes that within 24 hours. You make a call, you got a recliner down. We carry around the, re- the mechanisms in our vans. We go out, we fix it, and we put it back. Well, the mm-hmm. reason we do that so quickly is because we know how important that the recliner is to the patient healing. Well, that's making an impact on the community. That's that's changing the healthcare uh, experience for a patient. Mm-hmm. I can talk to you about this with higher education. I can talk to you about corporate work. I can talk to you about government work. In all these domains, we do some really Uh, interesting things that are improving the community. We're helping student learning outcomes. We're reducing the cost of government, really making an impact in the community. Mm -hmm. Then our employees talk about how proud they are of the philanthropic work that we do and how we're out in the community representing. Mm -hmm. And so you add all that up. And to me, that's the evidence of we're we're changing the community. We're making an impact in the community. And so when I did stand up there at the Breakfast Burrito uh, event, I was able to cite those examples. But then the hard work of doubling down, as Thomas talks about, Is um, I've got to, anytime I catch somebody doing, still to this day, somebody doing something right in the company or getting a feedback from a customer about something, I tie it back to our purpose. Mm -hmm. So you can be the receptionist, you can be the accounts receivable person, you can be the warehouse, anywhere. I can can draw a line for how what you've done has made an impact on the community. And that's how it keeps getting reinforced. That's how it keeps getting reinforced. Handwritten notes notes home. Mm -hmm. Um, I write a lot of handwritten notes to employees home. Making that connection. Hey, the work you did today, here's how it impacted the community and fulfilled our purpose. Well, what I like about that is now the whole family sees and now they're all engaged in um, in being proud of, of their employee.
1: Mm-hmm. And then See, what happens it, next it, is that whole family becomes yes, advocates. Yes. Right? Yes. And then if there is a day where that individual has to work late or something happens, that family is more okay with it, right? With a shift maybe one little stressful day that comes along because of the big picture of what you're doing and the impact that you have on that family. Sure. Or
2: they get another offer from somewhere else for a, a dollar more or, or uh, all kinds of things. We, You're right. We've got advocates inside the family.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thomas, what were you going to And add? we have a
2: fantastic
1: oh, dental yeah. plan. I guess that's
0: important too. <laughs> no, one, no one leaves our dental plan. The best. Yes. and. And that's the beauty. That's interdependence. That you're recognizing that you know our bi- the business is interdependent on customers, on suppliers, on employees, on even on their families, on the surrounding communities where established a business. And one of the things we we explore a lot is that how strong that bond with the family is. And it's amazing that Adam sends those notes out. And sometimes I've seen CEOs sending notes out celebrating uh, an achievement from an employee, not the note that never goes to the employee. They send it to their parents because oh, what yeah. the parents do, they send it out to all the, you no, know, they go to the supermarket, to the <laughs> pharmacy, to the gas station, and they keep sharing it in small communities. And that promotes the business, that promotes mm-hmm. the employee. The employee gets more, makes more business. So the whole system grows just by involving the family because ultimately parents want to be you know want to recognize the great work the kids do and the kids want to see that the parents feel good about what they're doing what they're delivering so that's a you know and this is what i like about capitalism some people just focus on the financial exchange for time or for product or for service mm-hmm. and when you elevate you know you go to a higher ground you understand that's the emotional salary that are mm-hmm. other dimensions you know the the knowledge you 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 know you can, you, you can produce an ex- excess of knowledge, of emotional, of good emotions, and uh, technology and so many other dimensions of value creation. And ultimately, when you go to a conscious company, you see that value being created. And the beauty of that, and when you look at the data, the after crisis, com- conscious companies come out stronger. Because when the customer can, they buy more from conscious businesses. When the supplier has ideas, they will bring them first to conscious companies. When the community has to defend or protect or hold on to something, to somebody, they will hold on to the conscious businesses that have taken care of the the surrounding communities. So that's the beauty is non-financial profit being created that converts into more revenue into financial revenue, financial profit. So it goes back to culture. How do we expand that con- that capitalism from the financial perspective to a diverse multitude of, of value creation? And I, I like to be very simple say, let's go to the sustainable development goals. You have 17 dimensions of value you can create. Just keep it simple, align it with other movements, we are, we don't have an exclusive or unique outcome. Let's use what's out there. And let's align the the, the vocabulary between the different companies and and government and, you know, society.
1: Mm-hmm. Thomas, I love that you're talking about involving the whole family, because it's at any age. I mean, I go home and visit my mom and she wants me to talk to the guy at the fish market. I'm like, I have no idea who the hell this guy is. But okay, my mom has told him all about me. Like, let me go See? say hi, Right? So it's like, go to Sprouts and I go, say hi to the guy, the fish guy with her. Right. But they are extra advocates. And, yes. and I'm so glad you, you say this and you mention this because it all ties in with the culture, with what you're doing. It starts and Adam, I'm looking at you, what you're doing. It starts at leadership. You're doing right. these, these letters that sometimes might be time consuming, but the trickle effect what Thomas is talking about, the family and the family connection. Then they're telling all of their friends, and they're telling all of their friends. And guess what? All of those other people are like, Oh, well, I need to buy new furniture. Why don't I go to Goodman's? Or I need to, you know, put new office furniture in our space. Why don't we go to Goodman's? And mm-hmm. and now it ends up being a marketing tool, a recruiting tool, right? You said there's the dental. I bet if I talk to other employees, they're gonna be like, Hey, our dental's pretty red. And Adam Wright wrote me a note the other day. Like, those are, those are pieces. And obviously, they'll talk about purpose and all those other things. But they're all these things that add up and, and build to the culture of the company, right? And then adding to it, right, Thomas, then that whole space of just conscious business. And Adam, you're taking something where when you first stepped into that role, it was like, okay, we're just selling stuff. But you're doing so much more now. You are impacting the community, probably more so than if you were doing newspaper stuff, I think. (laughs) 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 I think you have more of an impact and your connection with conscious capitalism here in Arizona. I know you guys are doing a lot with sustainability now. You have a new gal and a new role that you've created. Yes, nice research. Right? So all about sustainability. So, I mean, that makes sense too, right? Because you said, chairs break. Maybe you can fix them, then maybe you can't. Okay, then what happens, right? So all of these pieces factor into just doing good.
0: (laughs) And the beauty of all that is, you know, Adam is the real life example of living the culture. And that makes this business so unique, so competitive, because I can offer the same dental health plan, but the behavior Mm -hmm. in favor of that purpose, that collective behavior, which Adam with his notes, handwritten notes to the employee, thanking them and sharing. This is great. Look at the result, how it ties up to the purpose. That evidence is so powerful. That makes a whole, that's, that's a way of expressing the culture in a whole different level. I can copy everything that, that you have, and my business will not even come close to that because it's, I can sw- I cannot switch something on and say now we behave the same way. This is a ten years. Mm-hmm. This is it's an overnight success ten years in the making. So that's a
2: great point, Thomas. That that um, I have no fear that a competitor is out. as th- a competitor out there listening right now?
1: They might be, <laughs> but they don't Never have mind. your dental in your. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And and Thomas is exactly right. They can copy everything that we're doing, and it and it um, because it's not organic, because it's not connected to the purpose, because it's not real um, uh, natural outgrowth of their culture. It's not going to be. Uh, it's not going to be a threat. Yeah, this is this is a. You said ten years. It's twenty years. And yes. um, I like you know we're a third generation um, family business, and I I believe that gives us a huge advantage. We don't think in terms of months or quarters or mm-hmm. even years we think in terms of decades and that's how we see change. So when we say we're going to make an impact in the community, it's not can we solve homelessness tomorrow, but it's what can we do over the long term? We know we're 68 years old. We know we're going to continue to be here mm-hmm. and so uh, let's start making the investment now to make some impact.
1: Mm-hmm. And then what does that look like when you're making that impact over over time and over generations, right? I'm a, I'm assuming some of this started Back with the first generation, having an idea and being purposeful with the employees. And and maybe now you're just elevating it even more. But what does that look like in terms of the staff and the and the people? You said when you started, some of those people had been there longer than how old you were. Mm -hmm. So how does that look when there's that change in leadership? But it's still the same people, right? Still the same company, still the same purpose
2: it's um it, it's all about framing. It's mm-hmm. all about communication and framing. and so um it's it's helping people to understand that the work they've been doing every day is 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 impacting so much more than what you think that that it's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while in one sense, it is a massive change, in another sense
0: it's um it's not that's a terrible answer, but that's <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, that's okay.
0: That's why it's so difficult to copy, mm-hmm. because it is a massive change, but it is so simple. It's so simple that people just think, oh, it's not relevant. But the simple act of writing a handwritten note has a whole different you know, uh, impact. You know, the fact that we, the leaders, the work is actually done at the bottom you know, we as leaders, we, ha- we are there to facilitate, to recognize, to award, to celebrate. And the, the ultimate thing when we talk about culture, the rituals to celebrate, to publicly celebrate. And it's not just sending them $500 more or $1,000 more, because that's a private celebration. And that handwritten note is a public celebration. Oh, I got this. Look at how cool. And I want one of those too. What did you do? So I keep repeating good behaviors because I want to be part of that wave of goodness. So this is the, this is the magic that's happening there.
2: That's a great insight. Um, like your fourth great insight. Uh, when I, when I um, send notes to customers, uh, I, I get you know, a lot of great notes from customers and I send them back a, a handwritten note. And in it, I always say, I am going to take your comments about this person and I'm going to celebrate them publicly and also reward them privately. And I, I make yes. that distinction And I've never heard anybody else (laughs) talk about that distinction except for you, Thomas. So that was very good.
1: Well, and I think the difference is really important because people appreciate that in different ways. Some people are all about, they want you to put them in the front of the room at a meeting and have everyone cheer and clap. But other people, even though they want the appreciation, they might be mortified if you put them in the front of the room. So there's a piece of that too, is understanding that everyone wants that appreciation in different ways. And that's why the note is so cool because they can share that note with everyone or they can just take it and fold it up and know that that was a really important note that they got and they don't have to make a big deal.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, I completely (laughs) agree, but I I do do it publicly and and I'm well aware that some people don't like it. uh, Look, Yesterday, I moved my daughter into a, she's doing a program at UCLA and she had to move into the dorm and I, um, and I made her bed and I did a really nice job. I might say, and the (laughs) other parents in the dorm applauded, (laughs) like, like, you know, I can't tell you how gratifying that was to get the applause (laughs) for making that bed. So I'm that guy. I I would like to be celebrated up there. Um, and I'm, I'm not sensitive enough to people who don't like that. And uh, that's a huge blind spot for me. So thanks for reminding me of that.
1: But it's, we're learning, right? And yes. And but I
0: think this is something that actually evolves. Mm-hmm. People that like that celebration, like that culture, will come closer. And those that don't like them, you know, the first guys that with a, you know, moving that little handwritten note back and forth on the first meeting and saying this is a whole b s and say, you know what? They were not ready for that. or oh, they were not, you know, they were not part of what you were building. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, what happens is culture is, something very important to attract talent. Mm-hmm. It's employer branding. So this is what we are out there. And people say, I want to be part of them. Zappos is a good example. The, the recruitment process at Zappos is tougher than Harvard. So what do you mean? More people apply to work with Zappos than apply to, to study in Harvard. That's the point. People love it. I want to be part of that. That's my tribe. And ultimately, when you get that ex- that kind of feeling or that kind of attraction, you know, you you build just a stronger tribe.
1: Mm -hmm. And Thomas, I'm glad you say that because back to how you're announcing and you're making those appreciation moments public, you don't have to not do that, right? Because it's part of your culture. So that's the other part of culture that I love that's just fascinating is you can have 10 different companies that all have a great culture But if you take one person from one of those companies and you plug them in Mm. at another, it might not work at all because they're part of the culture of where they are. And especially with different industries, that's going to be a factor. Military, construction, medical, right? You said you do a lot of work with um, furniture in in hospitals. My sister is um, very much in the medical field. I am not. If you (laughs) flip-flopped us, even (laughs) though she works with a company that has a Right. Culture. I might not do very well. Right. And so that's a piece of this that we have to remember, too, is culture is so unique. And like Thomas said, people want to be part of the, that tribe, but they want to be part of that tribe. Right. If they want to be part of a company that maybe doesn't do the public appreciation announcements, well, then they go somewhere else. Maybe that isn't the right fit for them. You,
2: you are you are. Diving into territory that's a little bit dangerous, though. Uh, (laughs) And so when you're uh, attracting talent, you're recruiting talent, Mm -hmm. and if you're looking for that culture fit, you can very quickly start to get people who look alike. Um, And, um, yeah, exactly. And um, this is uh, insidious, and Mm -hmm. and this becomes a a real problem. We recently did some research on our, I did some research on our own company and found that, indeed, uh, we have an unconscious bias. Uh, in our hiring and our promotions, mm-hmm. and um, that that's not easy to unwind. And that um, and exactly doing that idea of looking for people that's the exact wrong thing. I actually heard one of our managers say um, a few months ago, "Yeah, I hired her because she reminds me of her, and I, she's really good." So I thought mm. and like, "Oh, wow, that that's that's unconscious bias happening right there." Mm-hmm. And you're just going to end up getting a lot of people that look alike. So the antidote to that is um is assessments is doing broad assessments of your people really understanding the skills and competencies that each person has mm-hmm. understanding the roles and what's to be successful uh what skills and competencies are needed to be successful and then making decisions based on on those assessments uh, against the benchmark mm-hmm. um i'm kind of going off on a tangent here but um th- that's so so now you've got one more component yes you want people who fit the culture yes you want people who who believe what we believe and value uh, share all our values and you got to be really careful that yeah. you're you're making database decisions as opposed to instinctual. Yeah.
1: So then how do you balance this? Because I watched you when you talked at the local first um, good business summit and you talked a lot about that you did this assessment and you saw that there there was some systemic racism that wasn't happening intentionally. But like you said, these hiring managers are like, oh, well, I saw these characteristics of this other person that I know. So they might fit. So then when you do this assessment and you've talked also, I think you said you put something in the Arizona Republic as well. So you've talked a little bit about these findings that you have. So now what does that look like? You you want to find people that are the right fit, right? We always talk about a culture fit, but really it's a culture ad is what we're looking for now. Yeah, that's right. And so... What does that look like when you have done this research and you've done these assessments and now you're trying to bring in different talent and, and have it be completely diverse? What does all of this look like for you now, now that you've done this, these assessments and you've seen this? The big
2: advantage our company has um, is that overall, uh, our census overall is, uh, matches Arizona, like almost point for point. And so we have the talent in the company now. It's just distributed wrong. It's uh, uh, like 90% of our installation field team are Hispanic males. And I want to say like 10% of our sales team is Hispanic. So these are all talented furniture professionals who know the industry very well. Mm -hmm. Why, Why are those people in the field as they progress in their careers and they're moving into project management over here or in operations over there, but not into sales? What is it? preventing us from seeing their uh that potential and um and 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 this is well-worn path you know they just keep i saw the guy ahead of me he went to project management so i'm going to go to project management Mm -hmm. it's the 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 um systemic racism uh unconscious bias stuff is baked into themselves they don't even see the career path that's Mm -hmm. available to them and so uh when i went to our installation team and said hey good news we've realized we've got this imbalance and anybody here who's interested in making a, a better living for themselves and their families and wants to go into sales, raise your hand, let's talk. Well, if, you know, nobody raised their hand. Right? Yeah. Like, I'm not, I, And so now by bringing the data in, now we've done an assessment on everybody. Now we're able to say, Hey, you are terrific at your job Good. and you've got a lot of potential. And you match pretty well. Now, you're missing these four or five skills, negotiation mm-hmm. skills, or presentation, whatever it is. We can invest in you. We can help you train, uh, develop those out of you. And then you can move into this career path. What do you say? Mm-hmm. And now we're on this journey together. So it's not what you had said is about going out and finding the talent. We got them. We, we got them. They're, they're, they're great. They're right here. It's about developing them and showing a new career path.
1: Mm-hmm. And how have people been as far as accepting of this? Do you have people that are trying to shift that path a little bit more?
2: I've got a lunch on Friday with one of our installers um, who is a a high performer with high potential. And he has been talking about going to work for UPS because they pay more. Uh, I don't think their dental is very good. (laughs) But it's it's a lot more than they pay. And so uh, our lunch on Friday is to talk about, hey, I noticed your um, uh, sales support is in particular that this aligns with you. And so here you are at your age, he's probably 35. And I'm going to offer you to go this way that might lead to all these things, or you can go that way, which is going to sort of continue to be the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we'll see how that lunch on Friday goes. Yeah. Like, tune in for part two. Of right. This conversation.
1: How did you, I'm curious to know how you found out that, was he vocal about yeah. shifting jobs and finding something else for more pay?
2: Well, by vocal, you mean if he, he quit.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> oh,
2: <laughs> <my> <laughs> that was my first cl- uh, He quit in December and uh, said, yeah, I'm going to U- UPS. And then they, uh, for whatever reason, it didn't work. So he came back. And like, "I'm going." I- they told me to come back in December and try again. And I'm like, oh, oh, we've got between oh, now and December
0: to
1: interesting. show okay. a, new, a new path. But I love... Well, Go ahead, Nice. Yeah.
0: Nice that he came back. Yes. You know, that already shows an opening, mm-hmm. a conversation. You know, I quit, but people listen to me, people care about me. So even if, how many people quit their job to go somewhere else, and then they are ashamed to come back and ask for help? So this is the beauty of the culture, the strength of the culture. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing that's interesting on on how to actually balance is how do we communicate? Sometimes you put an ad for, for a salesperson and you put a white male on the ad, only white males will show up. Try to put a different ethnicity, a different gender, on the ad and people will show up. Different people show up because they, oh, I can be that. They see themselves on that role. So that's the challenge. Communication is so important. And it is amazing because you can always learn. Consciousness has no limit. Now, Adam is just sharing that say, oh, we identified something. There's a bias here. How do we change communication so that bring more people into the different areas and bring that diversity uh, into into the different areas of the business. So uh, love it. It's amazing how that story keeps evolving. And if we keep another hour here with Adam, we're going to get more out of him. So maybe we need a second chapter on this
1: one. Right? I tell this to Daryl all the time. Like, Daryl, we're going to have a part two of this one. And then the next show, <laughs> yeah. we're like, okay, another part two and another part two, right? Um, yeah, I do think it's, I, I think it's awesome um, that he had the opportunity to come back to you guys and that yes. now you're taking the time out of i mean you're a very busy man <laughs> you're taking the time to sit down and have a lunch and and give him this opportunity of a new direction and a new pathway that he could take that could lead to more money right you're taking the time to sit and have that lunch with him you might open up a whole other avenue and a whole new conversation with him of the why behind why he needs that more money right does he need to fix his mom's house does he need to help a sick family member And he wants to stay with your company because of the culture and because of the purpose. But at the end of the day, we have to pay bills and we have to support our family. And so that might be his particular why. And he thinks that he can only do this one particular job. And so he's got to do it in another place. And so the fact that you're going to take the time and have that conversation with him in itself is, I mean, that's, that's leadership. That's, you know, that's. Another part of conscious capitalism, one of the tenets of conscious capitalism, and you you embody that. You are that conscious leader that all of these other com- some of these other companies are trying to figure it out. Have you always been like this, or did you have leaders that you saw and you learned from as well to uh. kind of get to this? I don't know how to answer that question because <laughs> I I mean, both of you are fabulous leaders in what you do and how you support people. And, and maybe it ties into all of this with conscious capitalism. And Thomas, you said you were an unconscious, conscious capitalist. I was too. Right. You've obviously nobody's perfect. Right. I'm sure there's things about your leadership that you're learning and growing, too. But you're just more cognizant. And it seems from our conversation, it comes a little more natural to you.
2: I, I, so when I worked at the newspaper, um, you know, here I am with big ambitions and ideals and how important newspapers are. And I saw some really bad examples of <laughs> leadership. Um, here's a story I've never told publicly. Um, the publisher, oh, this is gross. I'm, you know, 22 or something like that, right? And he, he puts his arm around me and, and he's sort of surveying all the cubicles which, by the way, I was like the only one who could fix the cubicles when they needed to go wrong. Like, I was the guy they called, the, the new kid. Anyway, he served all the cubicles and he said, uh, oh, This is gross. Um, he said, like, I can sleep with any woman here that I want to. <gasps> is that not the most disgusting thing you've ever seen? So, I've seen some stuff. That's how,
1: you, that's how I've learned from all the bad examples. That's right.
2: That's really more what it was. And like, yeah. oh, well, I don't think that's what I want to do. I'll try something yeah. else.
1: <laughs> you you note, know, okay, that's not. That's not how I'm gonna do this. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like that. I definitely. I've I've learned from bad examples. I had a boss one time throw a chair across the room at another employee. Wow. Yeah, he wow. probably needed to fix wow. that chair. What afterwards. kind of chair? Do you know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I don't remember what <laughs> it was. A rolly one, and it didn't roll after that. Wow. Yeah, and, and that's it, when I went. Hmm. I don't think I, I should I, be I, here anymore. <laughs>
0: Okay. That's not for me. This place. Yeah. What, one interesting thing that we see, you know, Adam expressing a lot is, you know, that decader approach. I'm not here for the next quarter or next year. I'm here for the next decade. The question is, mm-hmm. what I'm going to do on the next decade? What are what I'm planting now that will grow and and make shade for the people coming uh, on on the same path be, be after me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the interesting thing is the learner approach. We can always learn more. It's an infinite game. We can always be better. Mm-hmm. So it's it's getting away from that finite game. So I reach 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000, a million. It's like better, It's it's a different metric. You know, to be better is something that is defined by others. I cannot say I'm better than you. Others have to uh, compare and say, I can say I'm bigger, because I established a metric and I say, I reached that metric and you didn't. So that's, you know, that's the different game we can see that a conscious leader plays is like the infinite game, is I can be better tomorrow than I am today. And this is a continuous improvement. This is a journey, it's a learning journey. And you can always learn. And when you open up to talk to a, an employee and say, I thought that would be better. And they come back, and that's a great example. And people will say, you know what? You think it's going to be better there. It's better if you talk to your leader mm-hmm. and design your own path. And, you know, I, I like to share in, in December and uh, November, I was in New York. So I, I took an Uber driver and I said, yeah, how long are you driving? So oh, a year. Well, you, try, you started Uber in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. What did you work before? I was a manager at fast food restaurant. So, oh, no, you're making more money said no i live better well doesn't it mean you make more money and that's the question what does everyone in our team want you know do they want to, do they need more money do they need more time because everything it's it's capitalism how what are the values we can trade and he said no i need better A better life. I need more time with my family. My kids are growing up. They are young. So I want to spend that time. You know, the money is enough. So, but we find different ways to actually go around. Mm -hmm. And but the time is precious at this moment. And maybe later I can work longer hours. So love that. The fact that, you know, taking the time to talk to somebody who left and is coming back and say, Well, let's let's design your journey.
1: Mm -hmm. And like you said, everybody we can always be better. We're always learning, um, reading new books and listening to podcasts and watching webinars and things like that. That's how we can get better. And I think part of that too is in these conversations that you have with staff, right, is that open dialogue of how to help them to be better. But you're learning, I'm learning, you know, having those open discussions of what can I do better, right? Because they... They might have some some tips or feedback. Maybe they won't write it on a note that says it's BS. But it's it's all a continuous journey. Right. And that's the thing that's so cool with looping in conscious capitalism and the tenets of leadership and stakeholders and culture. And and we're learning all of those pieces, too. Right. And we learn from each other. And so, Thomas, I'm glad you you added that just about this journey. Right. And Adam, with helping this individual, if he can shift and he can learn something that maybe he had no idea that was an option, um, you know, we're helping everybody be better. And in the end, it's conscious business, right? Everyone wins. Everyone gets better. It's a
0: journey. Ultimately, it's a journey. You can keep improving and you keep, you know, delivering more value. And people will actually go back to where the value is better Mm -hmm. than just, you know, more money. Well, Ultimately, there are other dimensions of value that you have to take into account on your, uh, you know, in your development, on your career.
2: I, I should disclose he has an, an impacted molar. And so he needed to come back <laughs> on a
0: dental plan. So let's not...
1: Get. Hey, it's a win-win. Everyone gets better. Better teeth. <laughs> Darryl's,
0: Darryl's better, I, better I love the dental plan. I'm almost <laughs> applying to work there because of the dental plan, you know? We
2: got about 15% of our employees are, uh, 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 had a temporary lapse of sanity and went somewhere else and have come back. So, yeah, we do, we do welcome them back with open arms for sure. Uh, you know, Thomas brought something up that I want to talk about with this Uber driver example and who's looking for a better life and more time with his kids, this gets to the idea of uh, remote work. And, mm-hmm. um, and how is that um, – how, how, how do you balance giving people the freedom to be able to spend time with their families and, and still creating a culture? Mm-hmm. That's the, um, um, the, the battle we're all in. Personally, at Goodman's, we are not requiring anybody to come back to work. And when you're in the office furniture business, <laughs> this is a little difficult.
1: <laughs> There's a catch-22 in this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: We are redesigning our space right now, uh, sort of a post-pandemic redesign to, th- to rethink why we have an office and what's the point of the office. And uh, we want to continue to let people work wherever they want to work. It's working very well for them. They don't have to deal with rush hour and, and mm-hmm. they got kids and all that. That's great. And we've had record years, you know, every year since the pandemic. So clearly this is they're, working.
1: They're still getting their job done, they're even still, it, if they get a load of laundry in too. Exactly.
2: <laughs> but. Uh, there are certain things that can be done well from home and there are certain things that can be done well or better at the office. Mm-hmm. And so what we've done is gotten really clear on what those things are that are done well at the office. or You can do better at the office. And we're designing the space to support that. Hmm. One step further, we um, we we engaged this really fantastic research company called Doris. Empowered Space is the name locally. Can I give them a plug right now? Yeah, Empowered go for space. it. I don't know the, the URL. Empowered Space? Empowered Space, yeah. Okay. They did this research with, uh, with all of our employees, 30-minute one-on-one research to, to, to pull out of them what it is they want to see in the space and what would compel them to want to come back to work, uh, come back to the office, I should say. And that's, um, that's the key word. Our vision is to be able to design the space so well that we're going to compel them to want to be there for these activities that they can do better there not going to require anybody, none of that. It's going to be, so when you come in our office and it's bustling with activity, mm-hmm. it's 100% because people felt compelled to be there because there's things that can happen better there than anywhere else. Yeah. And so uh, we're right in the middle of that process. Super exciting. The the feedback we got from the employees, I should say, we um, there are things we never, never were thinking about that mm. are going to be. Um, one is uh, outdoor working space. People want to it's hard to believe now. Is it 150 today?
1: <laughs> Maybe they mean in December. <laughs> yeah,
2: perhaps that's it. As I recall, it's nice then. Um, so well, we don't have an outdoor working space, but yeah. we're building an outdoor working space because they said that's the kind of thing that they that they want to do. They like going to coffee shops because they can sit outside and, mm-hmm. and work there. So, all right, we're going to put, there's a, a whole bunch of these oh, little cool. decisions that are being made um, coming right. And we're able to say, when we communicate back to the employees, hey, here's the things you said. Here's where they all are uh, all, all happening. That's-
0: the beauty the beauty of this is, you know, when we think about, uh, you know, uh, the, the fact that people don't want to work in the same place, look at Southwest Airlines. They don't work <laughs> all at the same place to have that strong culture. Mm-hmm. There are in different, like 500, 800 different planes flying everywhere <laughs> in the country. And they still have a, the strongest culture mm-hmm. because what they have is specific rituals that bring them together for the celebration. And this is what makes the difference. That's what strengthens the culture. Because otherwise, you know, Southwest Airlines would never have such a strong culture. Interesting how, you know, how to identify these are things we can do better together. And these things, we we don't have to be together. It's sitting on a desk and doing some work on Excel file or responding emails. You don't have to be together. And that's the beauty. There is room for both sides. It's not either or. It's and how do we combine the two situations?
1: Mm -hmm. Love it. And taking the time to do the research, do the assessment and figure out that balance, because it's definitely still a big controversial topic of in-person or remote. But if you can do the job and like you said, and have some record years while people are at home with kids and laundry and whatever, something's working. It's working. So let it keep working that way.
2: That's right. I mean, honestly, the only problem is that we're in the office for your business.
1: <laughs>
2: this is true. It's the only problem. You want
1: everyone else in the office, but your staff doesn't have exactly. to be in the office. This is good
2: for you. Not so much for us.
1: Not for us.
0: <laughs> I but, love But that. here's the thing, Adam. You know, you have to start the change before somebody changes the world ahead of you and you become irrelevant. So now that you are moving and changing and telling and helping your customers, now you don't just sell furniture, maybe you going to the next level. You offer different workspaces, different, you know, in different places and different. And I think that's, that's the beauty by experimenting inside how you can actually offer the same experience to, to your customers. And that becomes a much bigger tribe. That's interdependence. They say, oh, we go with these guys. They always bring new ideas and new, new ways to do business. What's the plan? Yes, I see that. I can feel that.
1: (laughs) Okay, so we are approaching the top of the hour. So obviously, we're going to have the discussion of we have to have a part two. We always say that, but we really need to. Um, A couple of things before we wrap up. I do have a question I want to ask that came through in our live chat for Adam. It says, I'm curious, what are the top two or three things that the research uncovered that could be done better at the office? versus at home
2: well uh, obviously um here's here's uh, paradoxically i guess i should say so before the pandemic people would um work from home to get heads down focus time to be mm-hmm. able to quiet I, I don't want the distractions well now because your spouse and the kids and everybody in the oprah's <laughs> there and the refrigerator's <laughs> there like now they want to come into the office to get the heads down space so we're designing a lot more uh, private little havens that you can go mm-hmm. close the door, put music on whatever it is you need to do and and it's got all the uh, mm-hmm. tools that you need it's workspace if you're a designer you need to lay out plans or colored markers or big screen monitors, whatever it is you need mm-hmm. and you can come in there and shut the world off and and you won't be bothered in there um, so that's, that's that's you know cool. we were going full open we were our office is completely open and we're going the reverse way now yeah um, so that's one. The uh, outdoor was outdoor another one, one that I, I like about. like that one. Um, the, and, and socializing is mm-hmm. something you can't do at home. And they do like to socialize with their, with their colleagues. Mm-hmm. So we, we've got to find space. Uh, we, we already have a bar and we've got a, a, a beer tap, Goldwater beer on, on tap, by the way. And, um, and so now we're going to double and triple down on that social space to be able to allow people to come in and, and interact with each other and stay away from the people who are trying to keep their heads down.
1: Nice. I like that. I think it's interesting how it, it is backwards from what it was before, where you go home, you focus, and now it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to ask one more super fast question that popped up, and then we're going to wrap up. Um, the last question, Adam, is for you. It says, I'd like to ask Adam if he had to, quote unquote, invite someone to leave who didn't fit in the culture.
2: If I've ever had to do that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you've
1: ever had to invite somebody to leave,
2: yes. That, that was a good a question. Yes or no question? <laughs> yes, of course. Sure. Yes. How um, did you do that? How how, the question understand? is, how did you do that?
0: <laughs>
2: well, I don't to get the mechanics of how how I did it, but um, sure, we've had very high performers who um, didn't fit the culture. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, um, yeah, it's happened several times, actually. And uh, the company's always better off at the end of the day afterwards. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd just rather not say any more about
1: that. That's Okay. We're running out of time anyway, so you're good. Being respectful. We have... Daryl, do we have time? (laughs) Now they're all coming in. Okay, Daryl said so. So we have one more question. This is for Thomas. I keep saying this. This is another question for Adam. It's. (laughs) Um, I'm reading the whole thing. It would seem somewhat counterintuitive that an office furniture company (laughs) who would have record years during COVID... When so many teams were not in the office, we talked about that. Hold on, I'm scrolling. (laughs) Were these contracts signed before the pandemic or are company leaders more future focused than we might give them credit for as it relates to the furniture of workspace?
2: Yeah, great question. Certainly, there were some things that were just had too much momentum, big buildings being built that were just not stopping. So that's definitely part of it, but certainly um, not the majority by any means. There's so much change going on in the office now as everybody's going through this idea of rethinking what the space means to them. Yeah. And that change means you gotta change your physical space as well. If you're shrinking down into smaller space because you don't need it, well, that's you can't take the old stuff into the new space. You gotta get all new. It's mm. a lot of a lot of that going on. So mm-hmm. um that explains it. I love it. Thanks for your skepticism.
1: And there are chats in there that say hi Thomas. So they're not Thank they're you. not forgetting you. Hi, Brian. <laughs> Those are in there too. Okay, so as we wrap up, I do want to mention one thing. So I always on this show, I always ask the individuals that we have on if you could summarize your company culture in one word, what would it be? And I absolutely love that the two of you answered so similar because Thomas said purpose and Adam said purposeful. Right on. So those moments make me happy because it was a beautiful match made today. <laughs> um so why? We've kind of talked a little bit about this, but is there anything else, Thomas or Adam, that you would add to why that was your word that you chose?
2: I'll let Thomas go.
0: Okay, I, I think <laughs> you know when you talk about purpose and when people have that sense of why they do what they do, the contribution, uh, you know, it's it's not money as a consequence. How much money you make? What what's your uh, you know what position you have? You know ultimately you work because you love what you do and when we think about purpose and when people understand that the impact they have that's the biggest reward you can get is people recognizing your presence as doing something good to the community you are you know involved with so for me purpose has such a power uh, in in bringing people together uh, towards a common goal and living what they want to, as opposed to say, just doing more of the same in exchange of more money, or you're just talking about different rewards, not just financial reward, emotional, uh, social, environmental reward, and, you know, technological reward, knowledge reward. There's so much more to grow. And this is, this is, I think the award, the recognition you can get when you understand what a conscious business is.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that.
2: Um I, I think I'll I'll say um I agree with everything Thomas said so I won't repeat all that but what I will say is uh, a little a little riff on the difference between passion and purpose and mm. um I'm I'm um I'm not passionate about office furniture first of <laughs> all uh although I did spend my summer vacation going to a furniture museum in Switzerland Oh yeah
1: nice uh-huh. so you have a little bit of passion A little bit that. of passion
2: <laughs> for furniture By the way the kids loved it <laughs> <laughs> Um <clears throat> So um, passion is an emotion. Passion is intense and it's it's it flames up and it flames flames out as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, purpose doesn't. Purpose is a more long term sort of uh, grounded um, driver of things. And so uh, I'd be real careful. The the advice of following your passion, um, Mm -hmm. that's going to change from time to time. Following your purpose won't. And um, and that's why I drive so hard on finding people who are also purpose driven to work with us.
1: I love that. I'm glad you clarified that because that's, and especially at the end of this, that's a good final note of, you know, the difference between passion and purpose. I love that. So as we wrap up, we have had a lot of conversations, um, obviously around culture, conscious capitalism. We have some questions that may come through as we wrap up. So if that's the case, how can people reach the two of you? Thomas, I'll go with you first. If somebody wants to reach out, learn more maybe about the field guide or what you're doing with different chapters, how can they reach you?
0: The easiest way, social media, LinkedIn, uh, website, uh, cbjourney.com. Uh, that's the quickest way to get in touch. And, um, you know, we have, uh, consultant certification programs. We have board of directors programs and leadership programs. Ultimately what we want is, you know, once you change leaders or you have, uh, more consultants doing this kind of work, we accelerate, my purpose is to accelerate the upgrade of businesses. So, you know, and building uh, more consultants, creating, you know, qualifying more consultants is also creating competition. But ultimately the world is so big. There's so many people, so many business out there. We need more help. Uh, every every person, in, you know, willing to come into this journey is welcome. And the best part of it, we always learn more. So people think I'm teaching them, but I'm learning so much from every cohort of consultants that we we certify, mm-hmm. that we come back and upgrade the program every time. So thank you for all the, eight, mo- more than 800 consultants have gone through the program, mm-hmm. 21 countries that just gives so much learning for our group and every, every new uh, certification program we
1: deliver. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Very cool. Cool. Thank you, Thomas. And Adam, how about you you. if folks are trying to reach you or learn more about that dental plan?
2: (laughs) (laughs) My name is Adam Goodman. If you break it up into syllables, it's a damn good man.
1: Aww. Isn't that
2: cool? Thank you. Yeah, Daryl's Daryl's (laughs) doing an applause. That's amazing. Isn't that nice? (laughs) So my email address is adamgoodman, a damn goodman at goodmans.com.
1: I'm writing it down like that. How, when, when did you determine uh, this?
2: Sixth grade. Nice. <laughs> um, a friend of mine was reading my lunch bag and he he claims he's a slow reader. He's like, oh, damn good. Hey, <laughs> my parents had no idea. That's so fun. Isn't that great? I love it. All <clears throat> you right, know well, how many student council elections I won because of this? <laughs> 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 it's about the last time it was useful.
1: Nice. Well, now it is because I'm going to write That's it true. down and Fine. now we've told everyone. So now this is how they're going to find you. Perfect. I love it. Um, perfect. Okay. There's a lot that we covered today, a lot of stories, a lot of tips. Those are my favorites is the example stories too. So hopefully everyone got a little bit out of this. So I do want to mention again that this particular episode was sponsored by the Conscious Capitalism Arizona chapter. Um, And I just want to point this out that I really appreciate them seeing the value in having the two of you on and having this conversation about Conscious Capitalism and therefore sponsoring. So A little bit more about Conscious Capitalism. The Arizona chapter is a nonprofit organization whose purpose, in partnership with the Conscious Capitalism Inc. So, um, international, is to build a movement of business leaders improving the practice and perception of capitalism in order to elevate humanity so that billions of people flourish, lead lives infused with passion, purpose, love, and creativity, a world of freedom. Harmony, prosperity, and compassion. That's a lot of words. Really, in the end of all of that, it just means elevating humanity through business. That's what we're doing. That's what that mouthful was. Um, So thank you to them. And then again, everyone else for listening today. On this podcast, we focus on everything surrounding businesses with a good company culture. We deep dive into companies that are crushing it. We bring on resources that can help grow culture as well. I, I
2: thought crush was like, a, as in love, like you you love some. culture. I mean that I too. Yeah,
1: somebody's brought that up to me recently. So yes. I, I,
2: I wouldn't have We've, come on if I crush it. That's a, that's a bold <laughs> statement to say we're. You're crushing. crushing it. Yeah, I'd rather just say it's
1: we love culture. We can do that. Okay, good. Crushing and love yeah.
0: of culture. Good. I
1: like that. Um, and all in it's and the all,
0: perspective—the crush perspective, right? We it's have a crush, crush on culture, <laughs> on conscious that's right. culture.
1: That's exactly right. That's exactly I like it. it. We have options here. I like it. Um, All in all, Culture Crush has vetted resources and partnerships to help companies with improving their company culture. So that was a lot to handle today, but I'm very excited that I had the both of you on and thank you. And thank you to everyone for listening today. Thank you for
0: listening to another episode of Culture Crush, the only podcast out there that does a deep dive of companies that are crushing it with a great company culture. If you think your company has a strong culture that should be highlighted, please reach out to Kendra Maples on LinkedIn or email us at CultureCrushPodcast at
1: gmail.com.